22 years ago this week, uh, back in 2000, I started training for the ministry. And four years later, actually on the 2nd of October, 18 years ago today, it was my ordination and induction into my first pastorate, which was in Northampton. The journey of somebody from church member through candidating to ministry is one of somebody trying to live a life of service and of faith to explore what that means. But it shouldn't just be ministers that do that. Each one of us is called to be on that journey to try and live the faithful life and the life of service. A couple of weeks ago, as we thought of the material the LICC have given us, the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity, we thought of the idea that wherever we go, God is there with us, not limited to being in this building, but in our homes and also out on the common. And it doesn't matter whether the sun is shining or whether it's raining. God is there with us. Wherever we are, God is there, leading us forward, encouraging us. As Jesus begins these parables, we hear that he is talking to apostles. That is, people that have gone out, that they've been sent out to share their faith. The people who need to know that God is with them and that in God's presence, great things can happen. It seems natural, therefore, that they want their faith to grow. We don't want shallow faith. We want it to be deep, to be there in the times of challenge. And yet, if instead of the translation in our Bible, we read the paraphrasing Eugene Peterson put in the message, we would hear Jesus say, you don't need more faith. Now that might seem to go against what many of us feel. Surely as we spend time growing in relationship with Christ, our faith deepens as we start to trust in him. More so, does it agree with our experience? Faith can grow, can't it? Peterson has put extra words in the story, which in reality, when one looks at the Greek text, or as most of us would, the Bible, we would find are not present. He does this to emphasise the mini parable of the mustard seed, or a, a kernel of faith. We can have a strong knowledge of God, a strong knowledge of God's ability and or some power. We can think we have great faith, but these are meaningless if we do not actually trust in that faith. If we have even a tiny seed of faith and we truly believe that God can do miracles, then that is better than being the greatest theologian 
So Jesus is saying his people who go to share their faith did not need great faith as they journeyed to serve. They simply needed to trust in the faith that they already had. He felt they already had the element of faith. He didn't need to grow their faith to increase it. Jesus illustrated this concept of faith with the idea of a large tree moving. It's reminiscent of the passages in Jeremiah where God declares his ability to pluck and to plant somewhere new. It isn't something we expect to happen. Trees don't move themselves. And if you watch any landscape gardening programs on telly, you would see just how difficult it is to move an established tree. Yet the Lord can do it. And Jesus tells his disciples that they can do it too. Even if they only have a tiny small amount of faith. And so in our lives, God can accomplish things that we might think are impossible far beyond any reason or knowledge of nature and science. It's just not practical, we might say. But God tells us it can be done. The followers of Jesus, including us today, must recognise that it is to live by faith and in the faith that is important. That we must exercise faith in all aspects of life not just what we might consider our religious activities. So, when we're shopping, we must think as followers of Jesus what it is right to buy. When we say something, we must think whether it is right to say it. When we do something, we must think, is that what our faith tells us is right today? When we pray, we must have faith that God hears and responds, though not necessarily as we might imagine he should. So having thought of a life of faith, I want us to turn to the second part of that looking passage, the, the other kind of parable of teaching there. And Jesus says at the start, which of you, it implies that no one would, that it's a foolish idea to imagine it would happen. Everyone collectively on hearing the proposal of sitting at table with their master thinks, no, we might be uncomfortable with the imagery of a servant that toils all day in the fields to come into a house and have to start cooking the supper and only gets to sit and eat after her or his master has finished. Yet that was the reality of the day. And Jesus says that uh, serving nature to, to labour and then labour again is our life too. When we use churchy words like redemption, that we were freed from sin, bought by the blood of Jesus, or when we call Jesus our Lord, then we are acknowledging that the relationship between us and God's Son is not as equals. 
that we have been freed to become servants, freed of sin, to be servants of Christ. That doesn't always sit well to 21st century ears, but God has first call upon us. What is ours is God's. We are servants of God and must labour till the work is done. In our relationship with Christ, there's no, I've done my bit, or I used to do that, but I won't continue because I'd rather not. The servant must listen to the Lord and answer the call to live it out in the way, not that we choose, but the way Jesus speaks to us. However, as we read the scripture further, we discover our master is not the slave owners of the first century. He's not of that style. He is a good master and does give us times of rest and refreshment. He gives us the Sabbath. And he isn't even like the best of human masters. For our master, our Lord, does invite us to sit and share in his supper. And then in John's Gospel, we read that after he shared his last supper with his followers, he took the towel and put it round his waist and a basin of water and washed their feet. He did the most menial of jobs, something that no servant would normally have done that was an Israelite, that was a, a fellow Jew. He does it not because we deserve it, but because of his love for us. We don't deserve anything, but he loves us. He really is an amazing master. None of us ever do all that he asks of us. We truly are unworthy servants. Yet he loves us and forgives us and he invites us even though we're not worthy to receive. We are called to live a life faithfully trusting in his word and in service of our Lord Let's move into the future with a desire to know more of God, a desire to see his will and place our trust in him. Let us believe in his awesome power to do things we would have thought of impossible. Trees and mountains can be moved by the faithful. Things that are obstructions can be made to get out of the way. Let us be faithful people and proclaim his name loudly, serving him with joy. For we are part of Christ's church, part of the new creation that was bought by his blood. Amen.